Welcome to From Ashes to Beauty with John Ortberg. Each day, Monday through Friday, you'll find 10 minutes of relevant spiritual guidance on the kind of people we are becoming. Follow us on YouTube at becomenew.me or receive daily text alerts when a new episode is published by texting the word BECOME to the number 56525. Invite a friend to listen along by sharing this podcast or sharing the link becomenew.me. We're glad you're here. And now, here's John. Well, we're on the road, you and I, from ashes to beauty, from death to life. And God is going with us. I can't do this. My life's a mess apart from God with my ego on the throne. But there is one who can. And I surrender. I turn my life over to him. I look at my soul as honestly as I can. I confess to God and myself and somebody who loves me the exact nature of my wrongs, my problems. And now we're learning to become entirely ready. Not kind of ready, not almost ready, not nearly ready. Just without resistance for God, not me, to remove these defects of character. So not a day. We need to want to get to talk about character and defects of character. What an amazing thing a character is. God has given you the capacity to form a character, and you and I will, for better or for ill. And we don't recognize the importance of this, but it is sacred. It is your great treasure, what God gives to you and you give to him. The main thing, Dallas Willard used to say, that God gets out of your life is the person you become, not your resume, your achievements, your money. It's your character. And that's also the main thing you get out of your life. And the mechanism by which character gets formed is described by William James, brilliant philosopher and psychologist of 150 years ago or so, as a quality called plasticity. We hear about this in our day, but James was talking about it a long time ago. Plasticity, he said, is that quality, now this would be important for personhood, that quality an object has where it is weak enough to yield to an influence, but strong enough not to yield altogether. So one example he uses is this piece of paper. You and I are kind of like this piece of paper. The first time that you fold it, it takes a fair amount of effort uh, to get it folded. But then once you do that, that fold is there. And the next time you fold it, it just tends to go right along those lines and it happens much easier. And so on the next time and the next time. And uh, our clothes are like that. You get a shirt or a coat the first time you wear it, might feel kind of stiff, but each time you wear it, it conforms itself more and more to your body. Or he says, if you get a lock, you put the key in for the first time, might be kind of stiff, but over time, it works more and more readily. Or when rain falls down on a mountain, it will go down in little gullies, and then the next time that gully gets a little deeper and the water is more apt to go into that little gully. And you are made that way at the level of your neurons. When they fire together a single time, the next time, if neuron A fires, then neuron B is more likely to fire. The most famous law in neurology is called Hebb's Law, neurons that fire together, wire together. And this is what makes habits possible. And habit is what makes your life possible, what makes you, you. When you look at a little child, when they're beginning to walk, it takes so much effort and concentration until it doesn't. And what happens is they have outsourced knowing how to walk to their body. So they're able to think about more interesting things while they're walking. And it's the same when it comes to talking. It takes so much effort to form the words. 
or to learn to recognize A and B and C until eventually you can read without thinking about the letters or to drive. What an amazing thing it is. At first, it takes so much effort. Eventually, you can drive without thinking about it. That's a little scary. We are, more than anything else, a bundle of habits. We're able to outsource to our bodies in amazing ways. That's what makes life possible. You put all those habits together and you have character. Habits eat willpower for breakfast. That's why the cultivation of right habits is central to good character and personhood. But now the problem is, now the problem is, now the problem is that sin has gotten into our habits. Paul talks about the idea that it gets into our members. That means where we outsource habits to our body, wrong ways of thinking and wanting and feeling, ego and pride, lust gets into my hand and deceit gets into my tongue and uh, uh, my body becomes enslaved to it. This is part of what James writes. These are amazing words I wanted you to hear at the end of his chapter on habit. The hell to be endured hereafter, of which theology tells, is no worse than the hell we make for ourselves in this world by habitually fashioning our characters in the wrong way. And this is exactly right. Hell is mostly so much not a matter of location, but of malformation. Could the young but realize how soon they will be mere bundles of habits? They would give more heed to their conduct while in the plastic state. The younger we are, the more changeable we are, but we're becoming bundles of habits. We are spinning our own fates, good or evil, never to be undone. Every smallest stroke of virtue or vice leaves its never so little scar. And then he refers to a play about Rip Van Winkle where Rip Van Winkle keeps getting drunk. The drunken Rip Van Winkle excuses himself for every fresh dereliction by saying, I won't count this time. Well, he may not count it, and a kind heaven may not count it, but it is being counted nonetheless. Down among his nerve cells and fibers, the molecules are counting it, registering it, storing it up to be used against film when the next temptation comes, Nothing to, to be used against him when the next temptation comes. Nothing we ever do is, in strict scientific literalness, wiped out. We are bundles of habit. And sin has gotten into our habit. And those are defects of character. And they are not small. And they are not minor. And they are not trivial. Heaven and hell hang in the balance for this, for you and me. And the temptation is, to order our lives around these little programs that want to be our gods, that then will form our habits. God gives us the gift of life, but then we will make a, an idol of security, some of us. And then we get bent like this fold is bent. God makes us for community, for relationship with each other. And then for some of us, we make esteem, reputation, affection, our God, our idol, and then we get bent and our defects of character flow out of this. Or there's another program. God makes us in his image to exercise dominion, to reign, to have power. And some of us make that our God, our idol, to have more power and more control. And then our fold gets bent 
And so those programs for security or for esteem or for power lead us in the wrong direction. But there is another program, and that is the Jesus program. And that's what we're learning together. To surrender our habits to him, to offer our plasticity, our neuroplasticity, our spiritual plasticity for him so that he can both forgive our sins, not counting it against us, thank you to the grace of heaven, and then by the power of his spirit actually begin to rewire us. And that's why we're going through these steps. See, These steps are a process of rewiring ourselves so that our character, our habits can be reformed. And what Jesus wants to do is to not have you live in such a way that you have to grit your teeth and by willpower over and over and over say, I must effortly try to do the right thing. No, it is with his spirit to get deep down inside of us as we're surrendered. And as we practice these different little exercises to surrender ourselves, to confess to another person, to do that inventory, to become ready, then our habits are being reprogrammed so that we no longer have to think about what it is that we're doing. It's quite an amazing thing. What I'm doing right now, tying a tie, is something I learned a long time ago. If you were to ask me, John, how do you do that? I could not even tell you. In fact, it's a strange thing. Not only could I not tell you, part of tying my tie my right hand does, part of it my left hand does, my right hand could not tell you what my left hand was doing right then. It is so habitual to me that I am able to teach you the Word of God while I am tying my tie. Now, Here's the Jesus program. Jesus talks, for example, about generosity. We'll, we'll talk on this journey together about living a life of servanthood and generosity for other people. And he says, I want you to do this so deeply that it no longer feels heroic to you. You don't have to, no longer have to walk around saying, I got to try really hard to be generous today. I want to make sure everybody knows how amazing I am because that becomes its own defect of character. No, he says, I want it to become so habitual, so second nature that when you give, your right hand does not know what your left hand is doing. Jesus was absolutely brilliant. He was the smartest guy who has ever lived. And the Jesus program that we're learning together is the only program that can redeem, reform, refold our characters, our habits, deliver us not just from the guilt of sin, but from the power of it, put us into a new reality, a new kingdom, where we can be given a new character, because spiritual formation simply is character formation. And we ask God now, not ourselves, to remove our defects of character, and that, some people think, man, if my defects of character were gone, I would have no character left. If I didn't have the joy of anger or lust or whatever it is, no, 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 no. There will be new character. There will be new life. There will be new joy. But it is God who does that. And I'm going to tell you a story about that next time that's incredibly powerful. For today, as you practice the habits of your life, when you get dressed, when you brush your teeth, when you drive a car, when you eat a meal, just pause for a moment, think about what you're doing and offer your habits to God. Have a great weekend. Be a part of a community of faith someplace, somehow, and I'll see you on Monday.